The following podcast is going to contain spoilers along with me, just a regular guy, talking about all the things I love, such as comics, movies, television, music, and books. So yeah, proceed at your own risk. Here we go again, folks. This is just another fanboy, and I'm your host, Steven. And today, we're going to go all the way back to May of 1982, because I'm talking about Fantastic Four from Marvel Comics. This is issue 242. Story and art by John Byrne. Jim Novak was the letterer. Glennis Ween was the colorist. Jim Salakrip was the editor. And our editor-in-chief was Big Jim Shooter. The title of this issue is Terax, The Untamed, and we open the book in space. Things are happening in space. Things are being formed. Things are moving around. There's an asteroid field. One of the asteroids just zooms out of the field, and it's because atop it is Terax, The Untamed. He has power over earth and rock and dirt. He's the dirt dude. Now, Terax was once a herald of Galactus, and that's H-E-R, herald, not H-A-R, herald, okay? H-E-R-A-L-D, not H-A-R-O-L-D. He was a herald, a former herald of Galactus. And if you're not aware who Galactus is, it's a Galactus is this giant space entity, he's takes the form of a just a big giant dude that is big and giant and he has this huge freaking helmet and he is the devourer of worlds meaning the dude's always hungry and he's always looking for a meal and the only thing that he can eat are planets and he always has a guy or a girl with him that goes out ahead of him and finds planets for him to consume the silver surfer was one of these folks then they they are referred to as heralds of Galactus. Well, Terax was one of these heralds. We need to know that cuz that will come into play later in the issue. So, after we see Terax doing his thing out in space, we go to the Baxter building. It's the day or two after Christmas and the Richards family, Reed, Sue and Franklin, they're taking down their decorations and Sue the Invisible Woman is very pleased with this year's tree. She's telling Reed how he picked the perfect tree this year and wherever he got it, he should go there next year to get a tree similar because it was such a beautiful tree. And he says, don't worry about it, hun. And he presses a button and the tree collapses into itself. It was a fake tree. And he says, I constructed this tree to be the perfect tree. And she's she just all put out, oh, well, I have no words to describe my freaking negative thoughts towards a fake tree. How dare you, Reed Richards? How dare you? Well, in the meantime, Franklin is playing with one of his toys. It's a rocket. And it goes flying by Reed and Sue, just like, Mew, like super fast, like a bullet. And Reed manages to reach out, stretch out, and grab it. 
And Sue starts getting on to Franklin. Now, Franklin, you know you're not supposed to play with toys like that in the house. That's something you need to take outside. And Reed says, wait a minute, Sue. Look at this. And there's a big sticker along the side of the rocket that says, not a flying toy. And they're both just aghast. And this is something that they have been hinting on in the last few issues. There's something going on with Franklin Richards. We don't know at this point that Franklin Richards is, well, what would be considered a mutant. He was born with superpowers because both of his parents, Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Woman, they have superpowers. And so he was born with superpowers, but they haven't, they're starting to manifest themselves. And themselves, that's not really the word. It, they're, they're starting to manifest. Sometimes I, uh, I make myself sad when I talk. But we don't, this, that's not what this issue is about. It's not about Franklin's powers. We're not going to get into that until a little later. So we go from there to Central Park. The thing is hanging out. He's having a walk. He is covered in his big trench coat and he's wearing his fedora. So no one can see that he is the monstrous thing. But, but, but as he's walking through the park, a group of thugs come upon him and they start messing with him. Now, they can't see that he's the thing because he's covered, he's covered up. But you would think they'd be able to see that he is a pretty big dude. Now, they didn't draw the thing as big as the Hulk back then. You know, nowadays, the thing is like three times as wide as a normal person and three heads taller than a normal person. He's a big brick freaking wall. Regardless of whether he was wearing a trench coat and a hat, you'd be able to tell this dude... There, there's something other... This, this guy's not human. Look how freaking big he is. But he's still a pretty big guy. And yet these thugs decide they're going to mess with him. Hey, buddy, what you doing in the uh, park here? Uh, why don't you uh, give us your wallet and stuff? And the thing is telling him, you know what? I don't want to deal with this right now. You guys just am scray, okay? I'm not, I don't, I don't want to deal with this. And they keep messing with him. And soon enough, his hat, one of them like pushes his hat off or something. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's a monster. And one of them says, that's not a monster. That's the thing. And then they all run, scatter boys. And boom, they all run off. And they're all, they all run in the same direction. The thing then scoops up a handful of snow and he bowls it at them. He rolls it their way using his superhuman strength and... As it rolls toward them super fast, it's collecting the snow around it. And so by the time it bowls into them, he's basically playing, he's basically bowling. The snow is the bowling ball and the humans are the pins. And by the time the snow bowling ball slams into them, it's almost as big as they are. And next thing you know, they're all inside the snowball and it's rolling along. And that was pretty funny. We go from there, Johnny is hanging out with his lady, Frankie. I think it's Frankie Ray. We have found out a couple of issues previous that she also has flame superpowers, which is quite ironic because for a while there, her relationship with Johnny, she didn't, she didn't like it when he was the Human Torch. She wanted to date him. She liked him, but she didn't like the fact that he was the Human Torch. And it wasn't something that when they started dating, he, he didn't tell her that he was the Human Torch. Everybody knows that he's the Human Torch. And yet she would get annoyed when he would be torched up. And now we find out that she has superpowers as well that she didn't know about until recently. And she too is a flame-based 
hero. Anyway, they're going to this off-Broadway theater to check in with her roommate, Julie, who is doing some kind of uh, play. And they're there to, to hang out with her and, I guess, see the play. And there's this weird little inclusion that they add into the story that has nothing to do with the story at all. It's just this little funny little inclusion. And that's uh, as they go into the theater, Johnny, thinking to himself, is wondering why the theater smells like an Italian restaurant. And as they're talking to Julie, the there's a rehearsal going on. She's not currently doing any of the rehearsing. She's backstage. He asks her, he says, Julie, why does this theater smell like lasagna? And she explains to him that there is an Italian restaurant next door and that they had to offer everyone who works there free tickets to the performance just so they won't be open the night of the performance so it doesn't smell like a uh, an Italian restaurant. And actually what Johnny Johnny says is that it smells like five tons of lasagna. And frankly, that sounds pretty good to me. Now, as they're talking, somebody rushes in and says, oh my gosh, you should come look at the sky. It's freaking weird. And they all run outside and the sky looks like a freaking crossword puzzle. Take the numbers and the letters out. It looks like a crossword puzzle or something in the sky. And... Johnny and Frankie flame up and they head back to the Baxter building where Terax then attacks them. He attacks them at, at the Baxter building and Ben Grimm, of course, being the thing, he steps up to Terax and Terax just freaking pounds him on the head or the back or something. He just like, boom. And they're, they're like on the top floor of the Baxter building and Terax hits him so hard that Ben goes through the floor and then through every subsequent floor until he's in the freaking basement or something. And then there's this really, it's a really great two-page spread. And it's not like a uh, splash page that's splashed across two pages. There are, it's a two-page spread with panels. And it's made up of a number of vertical panels going hor horizontally over like the top three-fourths of the page. And then one long wide panel going across the bottom horizontally of the, the last quarter of the page. And so the top vertical panels are like Reed tries to attack Terax and Terax takes him out and Johnny tries to attack Terax and Terax takes him out. And then suddenly the last panel of that first row is Ben. He's back and he punches Terax. And then that, that bottom panel that goes across the two pages it's just this long panel, and on one end of the panel is the Baxter building. There's another building at the other end of the panel, and then there's a third building right in between. And that bottom, it's just a really, it's just a very nice setup. It's just the, the way these two pages are set up, I just, I found it really neat because that bottom panel, what you're seeing is Terax then being hit out of the Baxter building, through the, the next building, and then through the, the building at the end in, in one panel. It was, it was really cool. So Terax finds himself, of course, after being punched out of, the, out of the building and through two other buildings, he finds himself on the ground. And he, he gets up and he uses his powers and grabs a chunk of earth and flies himself up to the top of the World Trade Center. And then he starts using his powers to do something. We don't know what it is just yet. But Reed, for some reason, I'm not sure why, except maybe just so the readers have something to look at. Reed tells Sue, he says, Sue, I need you to do that thing. You haven't done it in a while, 
but I need we need to be we know that Terax is doing something with his with his powers, but we need to be able to see what his powers are doing. And so apparently this is a, a power of Sue's that she doesn't use very often. Maybe it's something that happened a long, long time ago and in an old issue and John Byrne d- dug it out. But she is able to basically, all right, so Terax creates a, a force bubble around the island of Manhattan and basically just picks the island up and like severs the bridges and the tunnels and and just lifts the island of Manhattan up. And... We can see the force bubble thanks to Sue. Now, again, I don't know why Reed needs to see this force bubble. Again, I'm assuming it's just because they want the readers to be able to see it. But because of that, Sue really does absolutely nothing at all in this issue except for get on Reed for not using a real tree, getting on Franklin for firing off a rocket in the house, and then making the force bubble visible. That's it. That's all she does. And she has to, she has to, she can't just go bang, it's visible. She has to continually work on it. So she's, and it takes a lot of her strength. So she's just basically standing there, making the force bubble visible. So that means that Reed and Johnny and Ben, they get to go attack Terax up on top of the World Trade Center while Frankie watches over Sue who's just trying to keep the force bubble visible, which is really not a good use of Sue's powers at all. Not at all. Pointless. Now, the front cover of this issue has a little box at the bottom that says uh, guest starring Thor and Iron Man and Daredevil and Spider-Man. And you're like, whoa! But when this happens to Manhattan, of course, you have most of the Marvel superheroes live in New York. So it's nice that we get to see them somewhat reacting and interacting to what's going on because again the entire city the entire island of manhattan is being lifted into the sky thor as donald blake i think he was on one of the bridges when this happened and so he is i think he is in within the bubble they don't you know what that that part's not really clear so first they just show the the four heroes reacting thor uh donald blake becomes thor to to help out I think he is, I think he's, I'm pretty sure he's within the bubble. Tony Stark is hanging out in his apartment when this happens. And so he, he's, he puts his armor on. Peter Parker is hanging out with his Aunt May in Queens and his spider sense goes off. And so he rushes out to see what's going on. And then Daredevil is just, you know, jumping around Hell's Kitchen and his radar sense goes crazy because of it. So for Daredevil, that's all we see, just him reacting. So he's just like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And that's it. Boom. That's Daredevil's guest starring spot. Spider-Man gets to Manhattan. He sees the island being lifted. He sees the big force bubble around it. He, of course, feels he has to do something. So he jumps off of a building and he shoots his web. And the web hits the force bubble, but it doesn't stick. And then he falls into the river or something like that. Thor and Iron Man, however, Thor is going to go find out what's going on and put a stop to it. But Iron Man, they kind of run into each other, and Iron Man's like, look, we don't have time for that because of what has happened. Actually, I think they're outside the bubble. I'm pretty sure they're outside of the bubble. He's like, because what? Yeah, that makes more sense now that I think about it. He's basically like, because this force bubble has severed the tunnels, the river is now being you know, emptied into the tunnels, and they have to help these people, and so that's what they're doing. 
In the meantime, Reed and Johnny and Ben find Terax on top of the uh, World Trade Center. And Reed had talked the other two into wearing like basically their space helmets because he he just knows that they're going to space. He knows it because he's Reed and he's super smart. And so when they get up there, they demand to know, what are you doing, Terax? And Terax lowers the, the top of the force bubble down so that the two towers of the World Trade Center are now sticking up out of the top of the bubble so that they all can see where they're at. And of course, they are in space. And he says, see, look, it's Galactus. It's his ship. Galactus has, I, I have escaped Galactus. I used to be his herald, but he, he's chasing me all over the galaxy and I can't get away from him. So I have come here and I want, and I'm, I'm going to use you, the Fantastic Four. You have defeated Galactus before and I need you to defeat him again. I need you to destroy Galactus. And it shows that in big letters at the bottom. To destroy Galactus with a big exclamation point. And that is how the issue ends. This was a really fun issue. Again, I'm kind of kind of wondering why Sue has absolutely nothing to do in this issue. I think that's kind of stupid because Sue is really, when it comes down to it, we all know that the Invisible Woman is probably the single most powerful character of the Fantastic Four. And yet she's left behind to ensure that we can see the force bubble. That's, that's her job. That just seems silly. I like the whole theater that smells like lasagna thing. That was kind of funny. And of course, it looked great because it's John Byrne. This is, this is John Byrne's fabled run on the Fantastic Four. And so far, all the stories up to this point have been, they've been great. They've been fun. But now it feels like we're kicking it up a notch because now... We have the Fantastic Four taking on a formal herald of Galactus, and apparently he, they're going to take on Galactus as well. So the threats they faced up to this point haven't been world-ending threats, really, at this point. And now this is what the Fantastic Four does. And this is what I hope. I hope whenever they make whatever they're going to do, to bring the Fantastic Four into the Marvel Universe. I have my own ideas on how they should do it. But however they do it, I hope they take a lot of cues from John Byrne's run and from, frankly, Kirby and Lee's run as well. Because at its essence, at its essence, the Fantastic Four are a family of explorers. They're like science fighters. They are, they are, take a, Think Raiders of the Lost Ark, but with science. They're not superheroes. In, in the end, the way I view the Fantastic Four, they're not superheroes who have this job of patrolling and defending the Earth. That's not their job. They're not just sitting idly by waiting for the next threat. They, they are exploring. They're doing, you know, read with his big giant brain. They're exploring the negative zone. They're exploring other wor worlds. They're... You know, that kind of thing. And yes, they are a superhero team. And yes, they do have to step in at times to save the world because something has happened that is, it's not something that they've gone out to seek. It's not something that, that they have caused. It's just, they might be on vacation. They might be home watching TV and Galactus shows up and they, they go out and try to stop them. But really, at its core, the Fantastic Four is a, a, a family of explorers, 
steeped in science fiction. There should be there should be a lot of pulpy science fiction type stuff to the Fantastic Four. And you really see that a lot in John Byrne's run, and we're we're starting to see it here with this issue. Now, with ev- pretty much with everything I read, everything I'm reading, you can find online. I'm not here to to advertise for Comixology, but if you want to read these books, they're available through Comixology. If you're a Comixology Unlimited member like I am, right now you can read, I want to say it's the first four John Byrne Visionaries Fantastic Four trades for free with your Comixology membership. It's either the first three or the first four. That's a lot of comics. That's a lot of John Byrne. If if you're not a member of Comixology, of course you can read these if you're a member of Marvel Unlimited. You can read these over at Marvel. Or you can purchase them from Marvel.com, the digital issues or the digital trades, or you can purchase them from Comic. Anyway, what I'm trying to tell you is if you've not read the John Byrne run on the Fantastic Four and you are curious about the Fantastic Four, or if you're reading Fantastic Four now and you've never read the old stuff, I would urge you to go out and pick this stuff up. And it's old, 1982. That was a while back. But thanks to digital comics, it is still available for you to read. And I urge you to do that. And frankly, I'm sure it's available at your local library, probably, especially if your library participates in the Hoopla program. It's probably they they should be available there as well. So you don't have to pay for these if you don't want to. If you've got a library card, if you have a digital device and you have the Hoopla app and your library participates, you can probably pick this stuff. Pick this stuff up through Hoopla. So that's it. That's my episode. Fantastic Four, May 1982, Terax, Galactus. What's gonna happen next? I don't know. You don't know. Well, maybe you know. Maybe you've read it. I read it before, but it's been a while, so I don't know what's going to happen next. I guarantee you the Fantastic Four will win because that's what's going to happen. But until then, I'm Steven. I'm just another fanboy. This has been my episode. You've been you. I've been me. Let's get together happily. Be nice to each other. I'm out. Just Another Fanboy is a presentation of the Stephen or Else podcast. Questions and comments can be directed to feedback at stephenorelse.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash stephenrorr and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show about whatever crawls its way into my tiny little mind just moments before I tap record. You can find me on the World Wide Web at stephenorelse.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram by searching for at Stephen or else. I also encourage you to subscribe to the show, leave us a five-star review, and share this episode with a friend. Just Another Fanboy is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can find that over at comicspodcasts.com. All links will be in the show notes. Good job.